Well, good morning. morning. Good to see you. A few weeks ago, my family and I went on vacation and we were flying back home uh, to conclude that vacation. And it was kind of a long, long day of traveling. I don't know if many of us have been on vacation before and it's long and the kids got tired and they got cranky and they didn't want to just, you know, they were arguing with each other. And I remember as we got off the plane and got in the car, it was like midnight and Grace is saying, Dad, Noah's touching my leg. And, you know, Grace is, or Luke's saying, he was Dad. And Luke, Noah's saying, I did not. And Whitney's saying, just go to sleep. And I remember thinking to myself, yes, I just wish that they would go to sleep. And so about 45 minutes, this goes on. And all of a sudden, I just kind of hear less voices and less voices. And, you know, I look back after a while and I'm like, Luke's asleep. Grace is asleep. Noah's asleep. I look over at my wife. She's asleep. And I'm thinking to myself, yes. And then I started thinking after I, I enjoyed just a few minutes of I'm glad they're, they're asleep. I mean, I love my family, but sometimes we all can just kind of need our space. I started looking at them and their eyes are asleep. And I started thinking, man, they look cute. And, and I feel bad for thinking that. And then I started thinking, that is total trust to be able to fall asleep, my wife included, and just trust me to drive. I could drive this off the road. I could drive this into someone else. I could fall asleep myself. I could drive us to Emporia instead of Pittsburgh. I mean, they are totally trusting me. I share that story with you today because we're in a series called Going Live, Faith in action, And that's essentially what faith is. Faith is trusting who we can't see despite the circumstances that we can see. Trusting in who we can't see despite the circumstances that we can see. Let's say that together. Trusting in who we can't see despite the circumstances that we can see. And as we tackle this subject of faith, that's what we've been talking about. Our home base is the book of James for the series. We've been talking about this whole idea of faith. We've said the last few weeks that there's this natural tension that comes with faith because it's hard to trust God or anybody else for that matter when things are going bad and we can't see what's next or what's going on in our lives. And as we walk with God, God's calling us to trust even though that we can't See, and sometimes that's difficult, even for those of us who've been walking with God a long time, and yet God calls us to do that very thing. When we invite Jesus into our heart, we begin to say, God, I trust you, and that trust is put to the test. In fact, in James 2, we talked about a couple of weeks ago that faith without works is dead, which means there's going to be times in our lives Where God is going to call us to trust him when it doesn't look good and it doesn't look right. And in the book of James, that's where we're at. If you want to go with me in your Bibles, you can to James chapter 3. But in the book of James, James is talking about some important things that, that we need to trust him with. He's talking about different topics and different things that we've got to trust him in faith. And one of the things that he's talking about that we need to trust him with, which is probably my least favorite topic to talk about because I'm not always the greatest at this myself, is the mouth, is the tongue. 
Today we're going to be talking about that faith includes our words. We are called to trust God with the words that come from our mouth. Let's say that together. We are called to trust God with the words that come from our mouth. The tension, obviously, anytime you talk about the tongue, in fact, anytime any church, anybody talks about the tongue, there's always going to be a little bit of tension because we're not always good at that, are we? Sometimes we don't just say, I want to say that so bad. Sometimes not only do we say that, but we actually say what we want to say. And many of us can remember things that people said to us a long time ago that encouraged us. But probably a lot of us remember things that someone said to us that weren't encouraging. In fact, some of you are hit, hit the replay button on things that were said to you years and years and years ago. But if we're going to live out faith, go live with our faith, and trust God who we can't see, despite the circumstances that we can't see, he calls us to trust him with our tongue, with the things that we say. So here's what I want to break the tension with today. Okay, None of us are always going to say the right thing at the right time all the time. And regardless of how poorly you feel you are at this, Or how great you think that you are at this. All of us can improve in this area as we walk with God and let his nature take over our lives. And that's what essentially James is talking about. James is like Jesus. Jesus used a lot of pictures and images and situations to drive home a point. In fact, um, many of us that teach, people can check out, but the minute you tell a story, they check back in. And James knows this, and so he starts with a story relating to the tongue. He uses a bunch of different objects and animals and things like that to describe the, the tongue. He says this, we can make a large horse... Go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Some of us ride horses and we understand what a small bit is. But you think about how large a horse is. I'm not a, you know, I don't know how much horses weigh, but I'm assuming 1,200 pounds or 1,500 pounds. They're big. They can make up their own mind. But you stick that little small bit in their mouth and you pull right, you pull left, you pull back. That horse is pretty much going to do what you want it to do. So James is talking about this when he compares it to the tongue and then he doesn't stop there he continues to kind of give this imagery to explain the tongue he says a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong not only does he describe this rudder on a boat to just being able to navigate it but then he even goes so far as to say that even if there's a storm or the winds are bad This small rudder, I mean the rudder's not small, but it's small relative to the size of the ship. This rudder is able to navigate this ship even through tough waters. Now you'd think he'd be done, but he continues to explain this descriptive imagery about what it means to our tongues in terms of our lives. He said in the same way, the tongue, just like the horse and the and the ship... In the same way, the tongue, although it's small, like a bit and like a rudder, it makes these grand speeches. We make speeches to our kids. We make speeches to our spouses. We make speeches at work. Some of them are good. Some of them are are bad. But we make these big speeches with this small little thing in our mouth. And he's still not done. He's driving home the point. He says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest fire. And among all the parts of the body... 
The same way that a, a spark creates a fire, the tongue is like a fire. It starts as a spark and becomes this great fire. And then he says, without God in our lives, our tongue is a whole world of what? Wickedness. Man, that's kind of harsh. James is pretty straightforward in his five chapters. And he's saying that without God, without the spirit of God in us, our tongue is a whole world of wickedness. And it corrupts not only our mouth, but our whole body. And it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I mean, he's using some pretty strong words and terms to try to drive home the point that our tongue can be used for evil. One of the things that scares me when Noah starts driving is this texting thing. Not just whether he texts or not, but because other drivers, I'm worried about them texting. And I've even started, even now, and Noah's only 11. I'm telling you right now, I will, you are not going to text when you drive. I know, Dad. I know, Dad. I know, Dad. But I'm going to keep telling you. Because it's that important. This is why James keeps using imagery and keeps talking. He's trying to really drive it home. Then he uses more imagery. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles. I actually didn't know that you could tame a fish, but evidently James thinks you can. But no one can tame what? The tongue. It is restless and it's evil. He's still talking about the tongue. And it's full of what? Deadly poison. And then he, it's almost like James thinks, well, you know, if I don't say this next sentence, then people who just have a really bad potty mouth are the only ones that they're going to think this applies to them. I'm going to try to get everybody in the loop here. And he, he says, you know, maybe you don't always use your tongue for, for evil. Sometimes you use your tongue to praise our Lord and Father, but that's not enough because sometimes that same person who praises our Lord and Father, sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And then he says, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is an implication that it's not just to anybody who's out there listening. He's actually talking to the church. His audience was Jewish Christians. He's actually talking to them and saying, church folks, this is not right. And then he ends with a question to try to get him to think. Does a spring of water bubble up from both fresh water and bitter water? And does a fig tree produce olives or grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. And then he starts talking about something else. Faith includes our words. That we trust God enough that his spirit and his power can influence what we say, not only when it's easy to encourage, but when things are going hard. So practically, there's a few things we need to know and a few things that we need to do. The first thing we need to know is simply this. Our words speak to our relationship status with God. Let's say that together. Our words speak to our relationship status with God. In other words, not completely, but part of what God uses to evaluate our relationship with him and where we stand with him is the things that we say. 
I don't like this scripture, but James says if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue. Now, this isn't talking how long you've, you know, sometimes we think, well, we've put in enough time. God gets it. It doesn't, it, there's no disclaimer about how much time you spend with God. It just says if you claim to be religious <clears throat> and you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Those are some pretty heated and harsh words to hear, but James is trying to explain your relationship with status with God. We need to know this. We're going to talk about some things we need to do, but he's saying that <clears throat> our relationship status with God <clears throat> is connected to what we say. We also need to know from that big scripture that we read that our words have powerful consequences that impact our future, both in this life and in eternity. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew. The red words in the Bible. If you have a Bible and it has red letters in it, red words, those are Jesus' words. And if you look up Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37, these words that I'm getting ready to read to you and you see, or if you're in your notes section, you see it, they're Jesus' words. And Jesus said, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day. If you're new or maybe not familiar with what that means, we all stand before God when we die and give an account. It could be negative or it could be positive based on whether we've surrendered our lives to Jesus. But we all give an account for every idle word that we speak. And the words we say will either acquit us or condemn us. What we say determines outcomes in our life and the lives of others. And the other thing we need to know is that what comes out of our mouth, if I'm sitting here, this is what I tell my kids. This is just basic stuff that we all need to know or be reminded of. What comes out of our mouth reveals the condition of our heart. I don't always like that. What comes out of our mouth reveals the condition of our heart. Jesus had something to say to that. Luke wrote it down. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Let's read that with all excitement. You ready? What you say flows from what is in. So that's kind of the heavy part, what we need to know. But there's good news. Jesus died so that we could improve in this area. Amen? And what do we need to do about our words? One of the things that we can simply do, it's pretty simple, is to identify the times that leave us most vulnerable to saying something that you shouldn't. Identify the occasions where you are vulnerable to say the wrong thing. True story. In the fall, sometime Sunday, noon, Sunday afternoon after church, I'll be watching the Chiefs, and they're not playing very well. And Whitney will come in, or maybe the game's over, and she took a nap, and the game's over, and they lost. And I'll be short with her, and she'll say, were the Chiefs playing? I said, yeah. Did they lose? Yeah. Maybe that's why you acted that way. Okay. So there's a few things that we can do that are simple things to be able to, to at least raise awareness about some times where we're tempted to say the wrong thing. So before we speak, there's several things we need to learn, and it's just called HALT. Say that with me. HALT. H-A-L-T. When we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely, and when we're tired, we are vulnerable to say the wrong thing. 
Okay? So first of all, when you're hungry, right? When we are hungry. How many have ever said the wrong thing? Or maybe more importantly, how many get crabby when they're hungry? Okay? Okay, the rest of you aren't telling the truth. Come on. Sometimes it's not a spiritual thing. It's a physiological thing. You're not really wanting to say that. You just need to eat a Snicker bar. Mike, what is your deal, oh, man? Oh, come on, man. You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby. Eat a Snickers. Better? Better. Hey. How about that? That hurt. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. <laughs> That's kind of funny, but it's the truth. We are not ourselves when... We're hungry. And sometimes, rather than saying something, this is basic, but it's the truth. We need to eat something. Sometimes, instead of saying something, we need to recognize that the reason that we said, we want to say whatever we said is because we're angry. And this is probably, this one and the tired one are probably the two most vulnerable times for saying the wrong thing. You are angry. Now, I know you, if you're married, I know that you and your spouse never argue, but my wife and I on occasion have different opinions. And there's been times where we'll get into a disagreement, and the most spiritual thing I can do is get in my truck and just go to get a Coke or just go calm down. Well, you're a pastor. I'm a person. I remember one specific time we were not seeing eye to eye, and it was just the tension was just getting worse. And I said, I will come back. But I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive and I'm just going to drive. So about, it took me about an hour. I had to calm down. It wasn't her, it was me. And we came back, we had a good conversation. And I'm so glad I did that because I know in myself, the way I'm put together, if I would have stayed in that conversation, then I'd have had to say I was sorry because I would have probably said something I shouldn't have. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's physiological. Sometimes we just need to understand you're upset about something. And by the way, it's okay to be angry. Jesus was angry. But Jesus says, in your anger, do not sin. Some of the reasons we say things, I can tell you right now, the times where I've had to apologize with my kids or my spouse, my family's probably the ones that I am the hardest on. Or they're the hardest on. It's, it's just the way it is in families. Is when we're angry. The other day Noah was in the living room. And he was. It's hot outside. So the kids. Get, you know they don't want to go outside in the heat all the time. And he's in the living room with a softball. Just messing around. And I have my feet up on the chair. with Barefooted. And he hits my ankle hard as he can with a softball. I couldn't walk out the door because I couldn't walk. Before you speak, recognize sometimes you're angry. Now here's one that's kind of off the beaten track we might not think about. Sometimes we say the wrong thing because we're lonely. Talking with couples maybe or even especially divorce situations. Your kids are living with your spouse, your ex-wife or your ex-husband. 
and you're replaying all that stuff in your mind and you're lonely and they call you on the phone and you say the wrong thing and it's because you're lonely. Maybe it's not your, your spouse passed away and you're lonely and you're angry and you recognize that some of what you, why you say what you say is because simply you need to go to the mall or invite someone to go to lunch or just get it off your chest. And here's the big one, okay? Tired. No healthy conversations happen after 10 o'clock at night if you're having a disagreement. You're tired. You're physically tired. And when we're tired, we're vulnerable to say the wrong thing. Now, I'm going to get more spiritual here in a minute, but what I'm just saying physiologically is, and Pastor Jim would say this to me all the time, Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is take a nap. Amen? My wife the other day, she needs a lot of sleep. She needs more sleep than I need. And the kids, again, are home. There's three of them. We don't have the biggest house in the world. You can't get away from them. She goes, I need to take a nap. She laid down and took a nap and got up and could handle the kids again. Sometimes we're tired and we value being hard workers and working ourselves to death, but everybody's paying the price because we're saying things or doing things that we shouldn't do because we want to be, we don't want to sleep. But you know, God, when he created the world, he created it in six days and he did something else on the seventh day that we're supposed to do. And that's called rest. Rest Sunday is not a day of rest for me. I'm, I'm obviously not resting, but Take time every week or every day if you can to get some rest. Okay? So next, we need to use our words for building up, not just tearing down. There are people all around you that need to be encouraged. Your kids, your grandkids are hanging on every word that you say. Noah got in, wanted bath the other day in a game, got a hit, asked me 55 times after the game, what do you think of it? How do you think I did? You did good. How do you think I did, Dad? You did good. Give people compliments. Encourage them. Use your words to build people up. Paul says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for who? Did you know that God has a right response out of your mouth for every situation that comes up? When the doctor comes in and reads a a cancer report and it's not positive, there's a right response for you to say or not say. When someone cuts you off in traffic, God has a plan for a right response for you to say or not say. When your son or your daughter or your grandkid does something stupid, God has a right response for you to say or not say. You know, many times we can say the wrong thing because we're right. And we think because we're right, that justifies us saying whatever we want to say because we're right. And here's what happens. We're right and they're wrong, so we say the wrong thing because we know that we're right. And then we end up being more wrong than they are because of how we handled us being right. Did you catch that? So when we say the wrong thing, that's going to happen from time to time. I do it. 
apologize when you say the wrong thing to someone. And forgive others when they say the wrong thing to you. Now this last part. If we wait on someone else to say what they need to say so that we can forgive them, the question is, what if they don't say what they're supposed to say? We're just supposed to hold a grudge until they say the right thing. And I remember how many years ago, and I don't even remember the context, but I remember apologizing to someone and they said, I forgave you when you did it. Don't wait on someone else to say the right thing for you to forgive them the right way. Forgive as Christ forgave you. It's easy for me to stand up here and say this. I recognize that it's hard. It's difficult. But this is what James is trying to say to us. One practical thing we can do if the tongue is an issue for us is to ask God to guide our words daily. As I mentioned earlier, if our relationship with God is updated, you know, you, if you have a business, you want, your, you want your client list to be updated. If you're a church, you want your contact list to be updated. If you have a friend, you want their updated phone number. And if you want to live the life that God's called you to live, and I want to live the life God's called me to live, I have to have an updated relationship with God. And the reason for that is, if I'm not spending time in His Word, and I'm not talking with Him on a regular basis, and I get in a situation where I'm going to be tempted to say the wrong thing, Jesus was tempted to say the wrong thing, all of us are going to be tempted to say the wrong thing, and my relationship with God is update is not updated, maybe even... It's been a month or two, or maybe my Bible's dusty. I've not put in the time with God. I, it's going to be really difficult for me to consistently say the right thing if I'm not walking with God. Our relationship status with God impacts everything. David had, was, had a close walk with God, and he prayed this. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Did you know you could pray that prayer? You don't even have to... Come up with your own version. You can pray David's prayer. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. This is going to be an awkward conversation I'm going to have to have with an employee. God, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. I've got a bully at school that, Lord, that that just keeps picking on me. Lord, take control of what I say and guard my lips. I'm going to have to talk to my ex-wife or my ex-husband. I'm going to have to deal with this situation or whatever it is. I'm going to have to be work all day with negative Nelly over here who just can't find anything positive to say. Lord, take control of what I say and guard my lips. Let's say that. That's David's words. Take control of what I say, O Lord. You know, there's self-control that we hear about. But self-control is really God control because if I'm control, I'm in control, I'm not going to say the right thing all the time. Self-control is really God control. God has enough power inside of us because we've let, allowed him to work that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart can be acceptable to him. Faith includes our words and we're called to trust God with the words that come from our mouth now here's the deal we can all get better at this me included 
Sometimes God calls me or anybody else to teach something that they're not perfect at either. What I taught you is what God's word says. But I'm in the same boat at you trying to apply that to my own life. The big question for you is the big question that God gave me when we were doing this. Kyle, who decides what words, who decides what your words will be when they come out your mouth? Kyle, who decides what your words will be when they come out your mouth? We teach our kids, sticks and stones will break our bones, but names will never hurt me. Words will never hurt me. It's a nice saying, but it's not true. They do hurt. We've all been hurt, and we've all hurt. And we also understand, or if we don't today, the good news is this. Jesus died. He absolutely died so that we could put faith and trust in him and that we could live in his strength, not ours. Deidre, who we keep mentioning on purpose because we want to keep reminding all of us to pray for her. She's putting her faith and hope that God's going to touch her. And even if he doesn't, he's, she's putting her faith that he is in control. It doesn't matter how long you've had a habit of doing something. God, through his spirit and because of his cross, you can break that cycle. Imagine what it would look like if you begin practicing more and more each day, me included. Lord, and in in every situation, take control of my tongue. You decide, God, the words that come out of my mouth. Because people around us, they don't always tell you that you hurt them with your words. And they don't always tell you that you encourage them with your words. But they remember. If you've said the wrong thing once or a million times, all you have to do is confess that to God and say, God, I confess it to you. I repent of it, which means I'm going to do my best through your strength to go a different direction. If you need God's wisdom, you've got something coming up and you're not sure how to handle it. God, would you shut my mouth up or would you help me to speak when I need to speak? Who decides what your words will be when they come out your mouth? Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, that you are great. You are a great God. And because of your greatness and who you are, we can have your spirit and you can live in us and you can speak through us. Father, help us to trust you with the words that come from our mouth. So may God's spirit be present in the words that come from your mouth. 
May God give you wisdom and direction to know when he's calling you to speak words that would be an encouragement to other people. May we understand that God's grace goes beyond our past and our present. And he can give you the strength to say and speak words of life and hope. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great Sunday.